Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Day Beautiful podcast feed. My name is Adam. I am the founder of Day Beautiful, the website and podcast where you can discover debut authors. If you like what you hear here, check out Day Beautiful on daybeautiful.net and on all social media at Day Beautiful. And welcome to yet another First Taste reading series where I invite an author to read five minutes from their work to kickstart your week off with great literature and put you in a really good mood. Today's guest has previously been an editorial director and community manager for brands such as Etsy, Society6, Gap, and Athleta. Her story, The Intruder, was shortlisted for the CBC Short Fiction Prize in 2019. Her story, My New Life, was published in No Tokens Journal. She lives in Los Angeles. Her debut short story collection, Bad Thoughts, is out now. Please welcome Nada Alec. Hey, Nada. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, perfect. I am so excited. Uh, your book is many things, but above all, else, I found it very, very funny. Um, nice. Are you a funny person? Like, Do you try to be funny or is it just natural for you? Oh my God. What a question. I mean, yeah, I guess I try to be funny with my friends, but it never, mm. I don't know. It's, it's, I like to, I like to try to be funny on the page and in yeah. text, but um, yeah, I think it's hard to self-identify as funny. I think that's um, not for, mm-hmm. not for me to say. You yeah, know? you're right. I guess like the people who think they're funny rarely are. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, but your book, Bad Thoughts, it's a, it's a collection. Could you tell readers a little bit about what the collection is all about? Yeah, definitely. So Bad Thoughts is, um, it's sort of, you know, that kind of fatal incompatibility with the way that we perform a self externally for the world, but what actually is going on internally in our minds. I've always found that space to be just rife with a lot of humor. Um, You never really know what's going on inside someone's mind. Um, And also I wanted to occupy um, the internal world of mostly women who were sort of, you know, resisting or bracing against adulthood in um, various ways. Uh, You know, definitely how I felt, uh, you know, single in LA and dating and that kind of thing. And so, um, yeah, it's about a lot of things. It's about trying to be an artist um, and what it means to grow up and love and sort of everything that I've been sort of plagued with or Mm -hmm. curious about for the last like few years. Yeah. And and before we hop into your reading, yeah, I'm, I'm just curious with, especially with story collections, how long, like what was the process? When was the first story that you wrote that made it into it written? And then when was the last one written? Yeah, I had been writing on the weekends. I had a office job forever. Mm-hmm. And um, so the first one was The Intruder, actually. I think that I wrote that in 2016 or 17. Yeah. Wow. But I wrote the bulk of the collection after I quit my job in 2018. So between 2019 to I sold it in 2021. Mm-hmm. That's kind of mostly all I was doing was writing this collection. Um, so the whole the whole process, I guess, was four years, yeah. but three years until I sold it, um, and then a year of editing. Yeah, of course. Well, I'll let you hop into your reading. I'll have some more questions after. Uh, what will you be reading for us today? I'm going to be reading an excerpt from the first story called "My New Life." Cool. All right, take it away. A few days later, I accompanied Liam to an upscale wine bar for his friend Quinn's birthday. When we arrived, Quinn waved over to us to join the group in the reserved balcony area. He looked to be in his late 40s with grayish hair and neatly trimmed stubble, which is to say, totally forgettable. 
Apparently we've met before, but I couldn't place him. Now that I'm married, I have a hard time remembering men's faces. There is nothing that makes them stand out, I guess, unless if they're hideous, I'll probably remember them as a courtesy. Liam ordered our drinks, and I listened politely as a circle of men discussed exotic trips they were about to take or had just returned from. Anytime someone spoke, I would smile and push air out of my nostrils in a polite, low-impact laugh. After a while, I couldn't remember what I was doing there. Everything had lost its meaning, and all I could think was, don't touch anyone's penis. Don't do it. Imagine what would happen if you did, like, right now. Think about anything else. Look up at the ceiling tiles. What is that? Distressed tin? Elegant choice. Very modern. But once I thought it, I couldn't stop. I fixed my gaze on the assortment of black and gray dress pants before me. They all looked so vulnerable, so up for grabs, concealed only by thin layers of fabric. I imagined them as wind chimes waiting to be struck. The impulse wasn't sexual. It was destructive. I just stood there, not touching anyone's penis, quietly frightened by who I am and what I'm capable of. On the drive home, I didn't mention penises, but I did ask what the point of it all was. Not just the socializing or the drinking per se, but this whole business of being alive. Liam ignored me and instead asked if I could hear it that churning sound the car was making. He told me it had been doing that for weeks now and he couldn't figure it out. I wanted to tell him that I no longer love him, but not to take it personally because I don't love anything besides sleep and the feeling of having my hair professionally washed. I knew well before he began driving erratically up the winding narrow roads toward our home that he had very little to offer me in the emotions department. He's going through his own thing rapid hair loss. All I can say is, it's very masculine, or I can finally see your face. We pulled up to our building, a converted motel lined with drooping banana plants designed to confuse us into thinking we live at a luxury resort. I had bought into it for the last couple years, but now I can see that most of the plants are dying. Someone should water these, I whined. Complaining about lawn maintenance was the closest I've ever felt to being rich. Liam makes just enough money for the both of us as a web developer for an accounting software startup, but he spends his money on stupid things. For my birthday last year, he bought me a star. He printed out a certificate from a website as proof. I'd asked him for a new computer. Inside, Liam turned on the TV and began working on a pile of pistachio nuts left out on the coffee table. He doesn't just crack, crack them open. He sucks on the shells and spits them out like a cowboy, looking so pleased with himself, so proud. I pulled out my phone to read a text from Mona. It was a link to poorly photoshopped photos of celebrities that exaggerated their hips and butts and made their torsos look deformed. We replenish our thread constantly with inspirational quotes and questions about things we can easily find out for ourselves, like, can you eat salmon skin? How many years until the sun explodes? Through it, we explore the edges of our stranger impulses and our secret thoughts. I tell her about the vegetables I find most erotic, and she makes up a list of conditions she thinks people are just making up, ADHD, for example, and Lyme disease. 
I was standing next to Liam when I felt him grab my free hand and plop it on the back of his neck, signaling a request for a massage. I wondered if he was jealous of Mona, but I don't know if he could ever fully comprehend what she and I have. It isn't romantic because it's more than that. Romance is a fiction, a lonely movie that plays just for you. It passes like a mood. Mona is my witness, proof that I'm not someone else's fantasy projection. I'm a real living thing on planet Earth. I continued standing, half-heartedly clawing at Liam's back while he made little whimpering sounds like a baby animal. I fell for it every time. Your hands are magic, he said. I pressed my thumb hard into his shoulder meat. I worried he might be right. What if my hands are magic? I've never used them to their full potential. I've never thought to before. Liam took my hand and guided it down to his crotch where a hard mound had bloomed between folds of raw denim. He looked up at me with a big smile like a child proudly presenting his macaroni art like he'd been waiting to show it to me all night. I kept my hand limp. Sensing my hesitation, he clarified his intent by unzipping his pants, taking his penis out from its co complex cotton boxer flap, and leaving it for me to tend. There it was, so pink and unselfconscious. I didn't want it. My urge to touch had very little to do with actual penises and almost nothing to do with his penis specifically, especially then when it was splayed out so clinically, like an umbilical cord or a mollusk. It is such an unusual looking appendage, the kind of thing that belongs on ice or under a shell at the bottom of the sea. What I want doesn't want me back. What I want won't even see me coming. I patted his bald spot. My stomach hurts, I said. I'm going to throw up. I told him I'd be back and went to the bathroom. I sat down on the cool toilet seat and silently contemplated the ebb and flow of our marriage the big and small ways a person can change. Liam got sober last year and now spends most of his time cycling in a group of lycra-clad men with sculpted calves and father wounds. The one time I rode bikes with him, he sped ahead of me to show off how fast he could go. I could see him in the distance practicing wheelies while I labored over each pedal uphill. He's different now, like a new man. I want so badly to be new too, but he says I'm not allowed to attend meetings if I don't have a problem. His problem is contained like a country with clear borders, while mine is more like a cluster of hundreds of uninhabitable islands. I don't know how to explain this to him. I returned to the living room to find Liam with his pants zipped and his legs crossed in defiance. I sat on the edge of the sofa and lit a match for a vanilla scented candle on the coffee table. I held the matchstick up for a moment and watched the soft orange glow expand as the wood withered and curled. For a brief second, I imagined what might happen if I tossed it on the floor, how quickly our cheap high pile Ikea rug would be engulfed in flames. I imagined the white noise of soccer fans chanting in unison, let it burn. I waited until the flame seared the tip of my thumb before I blew it out. I was so spooked I let out a fake laugh. What? Liam asked. What? I said. Nothing. I'm just tired. My heart was racing with exhilaration. I left the room and opened the freezer to feel the cool air on my face. I did my meditative breathing exercises and tried not to think, but it was impossible. Don't think about a blue dot. 
see, I didn't want to die. I'm not even a reckless person. I have high hopes for a future I can barely imagine in my current state. I even pray sometimes when I get food poisoning, asking for forgiveness just in case my Catholic mother was right about everything. I tried imagining Mona's face when I tell her about my little match stunt. She was the only person who could declaw the thought and soften it into a story. She would think it was funny, and even if she didn't, she would say, you're so funny, and those words alone would reassure me. I want to thank Nada so much for joining the Day Beautiful podcast first taste reading series to read from her debut short story collection, Bad Thoughts. You can find her on the internet at nadaalec.com and on Twitter and Instagram at nadaalec. You can find Day Beautiful at daybeautiful.net and on all social media at daybeautiful. As always, I'm Adam. This is Day Beautiful, and you're all beautiful. Beautiful.